Hubhopper Originals Hi, Paro Anand back again as I am every Friday. Uh, today's story is one which is completely different from anything else simply because uh, this one is a very wicked story and for adults. And before I begin, I'm going to tell you how the story came about. Um, it's a story about um, a woman who wants to kill her husband. One day I had actually had a fight with my husband and I was so irritated and often I tend to walk off my anger. And so I marched out and I went for a very long walk walked from like walked about nine kilometers i was exhausted by the time i had <laughs> reached and i was desperate for a cup of coffee i sat down and at a at a cafe uh, pulled out my notebook which is always with me and began writing about a story about a woman who wants to murder her husband <laughs> and um so we, uh, so when I'd finished writing it, and of course it was this one-off story and I didn't know what to do with it. Uh, years later, uh, we were at the Guwahati airport and I was with a friend of mine who had just recently become a literary agent. She asked me, haven't you written anything for adults because I'm not yet doing children's literature. So I said, well, there's this story and... Uh, as one does in airport waiting lounges, I narrated this murder story to her and she said, wow, what a great idea. And we thought, why not get women to write murder stories? And so came about, she stoops to kill a beautiful collection of women writing murder. So here's the story. My story is called, And Then He Said... And then he said, I could kill for you. Wet, wet. She was wet, dripping her freshly showered body onto his. Her lean, taut torso pressed up against his soft belly. Her long, thick, wet tresses dripping onto his own thinning forehead. Kissing him, wetly, her warm, wet kisses was what he needed right now and as always she knew what he wanted, needed and she gave it to him without even asking. She always knew the way his wife never did. She got up now, threw her wet towel at him as she got ready to leave but he enticed her back into the soft white hotel bed he had an hour and a half before he had to get up, get ready and leave for his flight back home. She kissed him. What do I offer you? He asked, cuddling her, burying his face into her silky hair, inhaling its freshly shampooed scent. Hmm? That was another thing he loved about her. It was never a sharp, what? as though he was an idiot, always a soft, 
hum of a hmm? He repeated his question. I know what I like about you. Like, not love. That was too big a word, one he wasn't very fond of. He continued, I know why I like you, but what do I offer you? She laughed, turning towards him, amusement sparkling in her honey-brown eyes. You? You offer me the best shampoo, the softest sheets, and most of all, room service, with champagne, no less. That's all? Mm, no, there's also that big squashy hug you offer me, she giggled, rubbing his big squashy belly before kissing him on the nose and pulling away, getting back into her clothes, deftly gathering her waist-length red-brown hair into a high knot which showed off her beautiful long neck. You'd better hurry too if you want to catch your flight. She left. She was gone. But he hunkered down back into bed, loving the smell of her, the pillow that still had was wet from her wet hair. For now, he put his family firmly out of his mind, burying his head in the pillow. He shuddered with the anticipation of the next time he'd have her here with him. And he remembered the first time. The first time he'd met her. He'd gone to a conference, a genuine one that time. He needed to change his flight because he'd forgotten that his daughter had her dance performance. He took permission from his bosses to leave a day earlier and he was now at the travel desk to change his flight. It wasn't love at first sight or anything like that because she was just there at the travel desk. But he liked her smile and the way her two front teeth overlapped. It made her look childlike and sexy at the same time. Not that he was out there looking for ch sexy chicks. Of course not. He'd been married 15 years and was a slightly paunchy, slightly balding 40-something. Eight years later, he was still not looking for sexy chicks. Just the one. Archana. Archie. Archie, travel diva who kept her schedules dialed in with his own. There were a few times when he could when he could travel, but she couldn't. He had suggested then that she should give up her job, that he would support her. But her nah had been immediate. She was like that, independent. A thought about her family flitted across his mind. Was there anyone else supporting her? Father? Husband even? Or was she fiercely independent? He admit he dismissed these thoughts with a nah of his own. Now there weren't so many conferences, but his wife didn't need to know that. He'd never meant to be unfaithful to her. He loved her in his, in his own way. Well, at least he liked her. He wasn't big on this love thing. Always felt it was a bit overrated. Now he wasn't so sure. You know, the thing with his wife was that she was so immersed in her own things kitchen, home, family, his parents, her parents, and God. All, all good things. She had worked as an assistant editor for a family magazine. But when the children came along, his parents and he himself persuaded her that she should give up her job and concentrate on being a mother. She'd readily agreed. No, nah, there. 
Not that any of this was an excuse. The affair just happened. And he hated calling it an affair. It sounded so sordid and tacky. And Archie was anything but that. She was classy in a way that his wife never would be. Classy in a way he had never imagined he could get. He'd seen like girls like her in shopping malls, in magazines, but not in his wildest dreams or fantasies had he thought he'd be lucky enough to get one of them. She wore thigh-high boots. His wife wore chapels. Archie wore clingy jeggings. His wife wore loose, loose-fitting salwar kameezes, which accentuated her large, loose stomach. Archie wore bras that were sexy even under her work clothes. His wife's policy seemed to be the looser, the comfier, the better. Gravity did cruel tricks on his wife. Archie defied gravity in every way possible. She literally flew through her exciting life. His wife was like a big old comfortable tree rooted in her house. Whereas Archie, did she have a home? Of course she did, everybody has a home. But he'd never thought to ask her about her home, her family, her life outside of her job at the travel desk and his hotel room bed. He didn't really need to know anything or want to. It was in the taxi driving home from the airport that Archie's words came back to him. He felt a slight unease, like a burp stuck in his throat. She'd said he liked him because he afforded her a five-star life. But was that all he was to her? Was he... Also her way of escaping drudgery. But he didn't want to ask questions. That was him. His life was perfectly perfect as it was. (laughs) Perfectly perfect. He repeated to himself as he disembarked from the taxi to enter the plush hotel. He was a regular. They knew him. They also probably knew what he was up to, but it was none of their business. And besides, it gave him a kind of thrill that, you know, he was that man, the one who could be sleeping with a gorgeous young woman, even though the bald patch was growing in tandem with his midriff. They were eating in his room when she brought it up. How come we never meet at my place? You should see my home too, you know. Why? He laughed through the biryani and the slight stab of unease that went through to him. Posh five-star hotel not good enough for you? No, it's not that. I love it. Of course, I just thought I'd like it if you came to my house too. Just for a change. Hmm. Okay, next time? Why next time? Then, when? Today? Why not now? She was determined. He didn't see why they needed to change what was perfectly perfect. He tried to change her mind. He tried to put it off to a next time. But she pouted and persuaded and and that was that. There was nothing for it. And so he agreed. Besides, she wouldn't let him make love to him until they reached her house. We'll do it there. It'll be exciting. She nibbled his ear. He didn't see the need to make this any more exciting than it already was. 
but his un- unease didn't let up as they took a bus. No, silly, not a taxi, she had laughed at him. He sat quietly in the bus, not enjoying the smells and feel of body of bodies pressed in close. And then another uncomfortable thought pricked him in his heart. Was she taking him to introduce him to her family? Was this going to be an uncomfortable sort of make a commitment now kind of moment? She almost had to pull him off the seat of the bus. So lost was he. He looked around. The grey of the sky seemed to have leached into the buildings, into the lives being lived there, if you could call this living. Everything here smelt old and furry, as though the sun couldn't and wouldn't shine on this filth. She led him down a murky alley, alleyway that stank of piss. Mangy mongrels were sticking, were sticking out, wagging their pathetic tails at them as they passed. That one's Lucy, said Archie, taking a biscuit from her bag and stretching out her hand. Don't touch it, he snapped. But she just squeezed his hand and laughed. I don't touch them. I just feed the poor things. They're starving. Let them starve. We're better off without them, he thought. But he held his tongue and his nose. They were in the doorway that led up a flight of stairs that smelt of something foul. And she stopped. We're here. He couldn't help himself. Here? Are you sure this is your home? She laughed at him. Of course I know where I live, silly. It's, it should be, it should be, I don't know, clean, she laughed. Well, yeah, clean, tight ass. You need to see how the rest of the world lives. Now don't be such a snob. She was pouting and whining in a way that was not as sexy as when she did it in his hotel room. Oh, all right, if you, if you want. They started to go up the stairs. Dank, dark, stinking. Something seemed to be crawling up with them. Maybe he was imagining it, but it felt as though a moist, furry, fungus-infested creature was creeping beside him step for step. He could almost hear it sniggering as his growing unease upped into pure fear. She was jangling her keys in the keyhole. There was no light above the door. But the door creaked open, like in a ghost story. Jeez, he muttered as he reeled back. The stench from the house, room, whatever this was, coming out and slapping him. He could make out a bit of furniture strewn around. The light, such as it was, battled its way through a cloudy window. But instead of going to the window to open it and let this stink out, she turned to him, pressing up against him, her lips finding his mouth, which was hacking, hanging open in shock rather than lust. I love you, she murdered. I want you. Here? Now? He thought. I need you to do something for me, she whispered, gently biting his ear in the way she knew turned him on. But he wasn't responding. He was taut with tension. You you promised me something the other day, remember? He didn't know what she was talking about. You said you could kill for me, remember? 
Vaguely, he remembered, somewhere in their lovemaking, he may have said something absurd. You said you could kill for me, and I need, I need for you to do it now. He didn't quite get what she was saying, until the bite on his ear was not sexy, just painful. I need you, I need you to do it now, she breathed. What? He yelped like a kicked dog. You promise. You said you'd kill for me. I need you to do it. Look, he's asleep now. He won't even put up a fight. He was sinking, the strength having left his legs. He tried to find the sofa on which the pile of clothes was, was placed. He hoped he didn't collapse onto the stinking floor. He sank onto the sofa, but as he sank there, a moan escaped the heap of clothes. He shot right up to find himself held tightly by Archie. Archie, what the hell? Who's here? My husband. What? You what? Darling, she whispered. Her voice, though, was hard. He was trapped between her body and the sofa. Darling, he's ill. He's dying. Except he isn't. He's been on his deathbed for years. He won't live and he won't die. So I want you to do it. It'll be easy. I promise. Stop it. Stop it. I need to leave right now. But he couldn't move. She held him tightly. And that's when he realized that there was someone else holding on to him. His legs were being held by whatever horror lay on the sofa. He felt the cold, sharp blade pressing into his hands then. You promised, you promised you would kill for me. Do it. This Hubhopper original ko sunne ke liye aapka shukriya. Agar aap bhi apna podcast launch karna chahte hain, to Hubhopper studio website pe register kare aur ek minute ke andar andar apna khud ka podcast launch kare. यही नहीं स्टूडियो देता है आपको पूरी आजादी कहीं भी कभी भी अपना पॉडकास्ट लॉन्च करने की सिर्फ तीन आसान स्टेप्स में तो साथ में अपना पॉडकास्ट शुरू करने के लिए तैयार जस्ट हॉप ऑन हब हॉपर सिंपली कंटेंट